Hello again and welcome back to this bonus episode of TF. Uh, it is coming. That's right. It is your Christmas sexualized moan from Milo. What's um, how we celebrate every year uh, as, as we reflect on uh, all of the sort of uh, wonderful different rooms we walked into and out of, um, how sweaty our faces got under masks, uh, the fun times we did not have this year. Due to the uh, fecklessness of the government uh, of the, that uh, control the countries that most of the listeners to this show are in. Um, mm. Today, we have uh, myself, Riley, uh, we have Milo and Hussein, TF, well, not TF Classic, which is me, Milo, Charlie and Charlie. Bono. It is TF V1.1. I, I, right. I view myself like as the Green Ranger of the Power Ranger universe, right? Like I sort of came in early enough. That I could be considered an original, but there was like a time before. Um, and also, I wear a gold like sheaf of armor um, on my on, on my green pajamas. That's right. And alongside the original asterisk uh, TF cast, it is um, the mainstay of the Trash Future Pod Twitch stream. It's Devin. Devin, how's Sweet. it going? Not too bad. Incensed to hear that once again I'm being kept behind a paywall. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's the only wall that will hold you, Dev. We need to contain <laughs> can't you. Get this for free. No, yeah, lest you destroy free listeners' ears with your sheer strength. <laughs> that's right. They're that's not right. as strong as the Patreon hogs. The Patreon hogs have trained for this. <laughs> that's right. So we're gonna we're just, like we we got a little bit of a classic up today. We got some startups. We got. We got a reading, and we've got a um, Swedish man. And oh boy, have we got some news for you about him? Guess where he's from? It's guess not. where he really is from? He's from San Marino. What? What if a Swedish man was from the Vatican City? Yeah. Um, what if a Swedish man was Corsican? What if that? <laughs> what if that? Um, yeah. So how's 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 everybody's uh, Christmas preparations? Uh, mine have been uh, scuppered Swedish, by our uh, feckless government. Mm. I love to have my Christmas plans scuppered by the feckless government. I'm still losing my mind at the fucking YouGov poll about how the British public blame themselves more than the government for the state of affairs. <laughs> I can, I can like tolerate shops being closed. I can tolerate not being allowed to like leave this kind of shitty area of like southeast London slash Kent. But I, but my, I really like you know the the, the final straw for me was when Boris Johnson uh, went to the press conference day and cancelled the annual. Christmas nonce. That is the worst. And you have to ask, what effect will this have on gamers and on the wider <laughs> gaming community? I mean, I've I've kind of adopted a little bit of like um, I I don't know about everyone. I just I've adopted a little bit of like that um feeling of ah fuck it that you get you know when 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 things are just too big. So I see like the the thousands of lorries yeah, like parked in Kent. This sort of like centrist game show host being like, oh, the lettuce shortage is just the tip of the iceberg. Good thing I voted Romaine. Um, <laughs> which is hey, just not, that's, that's, that's not like as far as centrist jokes go, that's not, that's not a bad one. They're open worse. 
<laughs> I voted true. Romania because I want Britain to become I voted, Romania. I, I voted for us to become Romania. I was doing the thing that, like, I mean, yeah, so the, the splitting image people have like done far worse than Richard Osman has ever done. So, yeah. so I'm going to take, take it easy on him. Yeah, man, um, yeah. we're here in uh, Britain. This is how we talk now. So uh, I'm going to ride my horse down to Westminster. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's basically what it's been. I've just been like just drinking beer and playing video games and getting further and further into my computer Legend. because like at this point it just seems like British po- British politics especially be- if you look at not just the fecklessness of the government but the total uselessness of the of like the, the government it's it's a combination of feckless and evil right where we have this alleged uh, new strain of coronavirus that's like extra contagious in schools and the government has been oh, yeah. suing local authorities that have tried to close down schools early to keep them open mm. um and and at the same time you know the the opposition leader would again appearing to be almost nowhere to be found except back when what did he say was a moral duty to keep open um a few months ago can anyone remind De- devin do you remember what the opposition i don't recall said? personally i think it was, dis- it was the disco tackers oh right right that was it Man, the, fu- the school things fuck me up so hard as someone who basically exclusively works mm-hmm. in schools that we had to fight tooth and nail to keep them closed in like April. And now that we want maybe a week extra off before Christmas, that's too far. That's a bridge too far. We're getting sued over it. You know, it's the, I feel like you know the, the government sort of, it's like, Brit- like British politics specifically, like you I try to... I'm always trying to think of reasons why it's so diseased other than just that this island has sick building syndrome. And I feel it's, be- I think it's because pa- partly it's just that they get bored. It's like, oh, we're bored of lockdown. You know, we're bored of doing it. Uh, we're bored of having the furlough. The news is too samey. Uh, we're not going to keep the schools closed because the schools being closed, that was like April's thing. So uh, we're going to do another thing now. And then, you know, just, just basically not just declining to solve any of this, not even declining to solve the problem, declining to acknowledge that they're there and just saying, yeah, it's fine. As uh, a bunch of people are just going to, just going to die. Um, and, you know, I assume a vaccine, it basically like the vac, the vaccine assumption with them seems to be a wizard will do it. Yeah. We like it. Yeah. The wizard, the magical yeah, government wizard. I mean, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the next step really um, is going to be like when they fuck up vaccine procurement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or like vaccine distribution, because uh, right now it all seems as if like from the press conference that Boris Johnson gave, it was very much like okay, like this new strain has happened. Uh, we can't do much about it except for like go into another lockdown. But like the promise that government ministers and just supporters of the government are saying are like you know the vaccine is like we're almost there in terms of like having a vaccine like rolled out, which like in theory is true. But if there's anything that we've sort of learned in the past year, it's like if they will find a if, if if there is a way to fuck it up, they will find a way to fuck it up. And um not only will they find the way to fuck it up, but like one of their friends is going to get really rich doing it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like well I I've heard actually that um you know um Matt Hancock's pool cleaner uh, has actually and his swimming instructor have a both together have like a very good actually the um, same guy company yeah <laughs> <laughs> wait you can't have a pool cleaner who can't swim it would be too dangerous you have a great cold chain third party logistics firm that's going to get like a three billion pound contract and it's oh what is it it's, yeah it's that's just right. a mini fridge in a car yeah it's wicked we're going to get the vaccine that way 
I want to get botulism from an improperly stored vaccine and then like have the sore turn into a union flag on my arm. And I mean, that's the most, it's called yeah. being English. The most British thing that will happen is that like they'll kind of roll out some sort of like vaccine um, that like, you know, I've been vaccinated app, but it will like end up being somehow like a genital inspection device. Oh, um, nice. or it will, yeah. Or it'll like just upload your nudes onto, onto like the government cloud or something like that. The They've most British been... thing about it to me is that, um, sorry, you can, you can stop me oh, if I'm God. wrong, because I probably will be, I have been in the past. My, my belief is that the vaccine that's being handed out in the UK isn't the Moderna or Pfizer one. It's the one that's worse than both of those, but we're using it because it's got the Cambridge name attached to it. That's right. Oh, how can how British can anything to me. how can anything with the word Cambridge uh, uh be yeah. be like wrong? <laughs> like yeah, the Cambridge vaccine is more. It's like more of a sort of a, a artistic, creative vaccine than the Oxford vaccine. <laughs> it's a little bit more like kind of bohemian, a little bit more counterculture. You know, <laughs> the Oxford vaccine is a little bit square in my view. Um, the thing is, Hussein, you joke about this vaccine. You know about the sort of. This being just a great big another another in a series of interlocking infinite swindles, but this has been also another excuse to bring in Palantir further into the machinery of British government. Oh, good, great, yeah, fantastic. So it's Love those guys under under a contracting framework meant to um, for small small temporary gap filler procurements. Palantir was brought in, I believe, no bid. Um, for two years to handle an unspecified amount of NHS data. So it pains me greatly to say that Tom Watson's book <laughs> ended up being kind of right, oh, but geez. the bad thing from it happened. <laughs> Great. Well, sounds, 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 sounds good. Sounds promising. I'm literally looking yeah. forward to 2021. Well, it's, I guess it's, it's, that's the classic centrist thing where he identified the proper, the proper problem. Or yeah. one of the many proper problems, but then said that the solution was something that was very similar. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, we're basically Palantir being f brought further in, um, food shortages imminent, and uh, the conservatives staying about where they were in the polls. What, yeah, what, because the, the conservatives they okay. can't do anything wrong when the when something goes wrong and the conservatives are in charge. What you have to remember is that it's Jeremy Corbyn's fault. Oh, no, no, there was a poll and 57% uh, of um, both Remain and Leave voters, because that's like something that they usually break polls down as, believe this is Jeremy Corbyn's fault. Absolutely incredible. And you know, in spirit, it is his fault, you know, because if it hadn't have been for Germany Corbyn's, then we could have had a sensible <laughs> Labour leader like Owen Smith, who would have won the last election by a landslide. And you might say that that's an insane thing to think, but I am insane. <laughs> identify as insane <laughs> so good that every like three or four weeks a massive survey goes out asking the british public essentially would you like it if everything was made much much worse for everyone including you and the overwhelming response is always yes please daddy i love it give me more well, yeah well it's also just like i feel like it's this very british tendency in the same way that like I've believed for a long time that in Britain, like you are allowed to have aspirations, but but it should only be to be like an aspiring landlord or like anything above that is inherently suspicious and elitist. Um, I think in the same way, it's like, I don't think that British people, I know, I, I think a lot about what Riley said, I think um, a while ago, but this might be a general thing about how 
lots of conservatives have like basically stopped saying, but like Britain is the best country in the world or America is the best country in the world, etc. Like they've sort of accepted that like um, this place is like miserable and grim. So like the new thing is like, yo, yeah, well, this place is fucking shit, but you just have to accept it. And just if you even kind of propose anything moderate to might to make things like better, then you can go fuck off, you socialist wanker. But we love right. making it Fuck worse, off. which is which is uh, something I a tendency that I'm starting to call British realism. Mm. <laughs> like, One of my is, favorite artistic movements. There, there is an imagine. There is a kind of. There's something that has gripped the minds of the Brits. Exiting the nonsense castle. <laughs> the nonsense castle. One of the main competitors at a pie and nonce. Well, of course, uh, you yeah. can't you can't exit the vampire castle anymore because it's within the London area. <laughs> no, serious, there is a kind of there is a kind That's of right. British realism. I think it ties into this idea that you can only aspire to be a landlord, which just sort of, I think, which um, is sort of so inured to and in love with suffering. It's almost like a sort of Mother Teresa philosophy, but like without even the gloss of religiosity or anything like that. Right. It's just a kind of worship of suffering as I'd rather be, I'd rather be right about misery than have my hopes let down. Um, and so, of course, the most realistic thing you can imagine being is a landlord because you know you're you're not creating anything new you're not doing something anything requiring imaginative no you're deeply within the bounds of british realism and you are just appropriating something that's already there you're taking it from someone else the world isn't getting better but at least you're making your own bit more luxurious at the expense of some other people and the extent to and like you know with the same thing with scottish independence you know like, like the, the what what can Keir Starmer promise scotland what can he what can he give them that is going to like be in accordance with british realism how can he say any that's why he's like sort of, sort of not seems to not even be resisting like any like the, the sort of lorry cues of brexit deals and so on it's like well it's sort of the ratchet gets worse and you know we have to continue being realistic which is that the decline can be managed and um that's it christmas is Christmas is cancelled. We wish the government did it earlier, etc., etc., etc. Nothing can be sort of step change better. Um, but we can. Yeah, finally, know. the government has caved to the radical Islamic lobby and cancelled Christmas. Yeah. Brendan O'Neill has said that this is the wokest year on record. What it's what so what fun. metric is he using? Damn the, these uh, <laughs> these meters that uh, Moscow sent us only go up to three point six wokegen, <laughs> but genders per minute. That's right. Ge- how many genders? Genders per minute. Per minute. <laughs> genders, hey. genders, uh, genders, parts per million. Uh, folks, shall we talk about a startup? Okay, just what, yeah, very let's quick. Do it. It's it's so good to me that Boris Johnson is having to do this. Like I understand that he's fucked up the entire year and everything, but just the sheer schadenfreude of just seeing him have to go up on stage and say, "Lads, we have to cancel Christmas." Just fills me with such joy. You imagine five years ago he was there, like, "Yeah, this is my goal in fucking political life." Mm. That's incredible! It has absolutely been a poison, the wrong grail for him. Oh, oh, new <laughs> new advisor to the government, Abu Hamza. <laughs> well, the thing is, right? I'll do one one more point on this as well before going up to the uh, startup, right? Which is that the, the point of the Conservative Party isn't governing. Right? They're not there to govern. No. They're they're there to like. 
you know, they, they, there's an agreement between the Tories yeah, and like little Tufton bits Street. of furniture <laughs> yeah, for yeah, a child. There's an agreement between the Tories and Tufton Street mm. that you know, we write we write the legislation, you pass it, um, and then like you know the Telegraph kind of gives you the direction. They don't have to do anything. They just they know what their brief is, and then they just vote pro forma. And then while they're doing that, they collect a pretty good salary. They get their name in the paper. They get to be involved in a little friends club. They have a subsidized bar. And they can shake hands with important people. It's basically like a treehouse. You know, it's a fun little club for them and their friends. And they're not supposed hmm. to. All Tory governance really is, is understanding which bit of the state to cut away so the private sector can step in and then do the governing. And, do and that's the how they come up with cool slogans like hooks face space. <laughs> right. um, and so- you can really see the impact he's made on the government already in such a short period of time. Um, but and so the fact that they just have to get up every single day and govern is torture to them, and I think that's very fun. Except yeah. for Matt Hancock, who like parkours his way to governing. That's right. Yeah, he doesn't even realize he's governing. He actually <laughs> thinks that he's playing with a like my first government playset, and no one's had the heart to tell him that he's actually making life changing decisions. It's like an Ender's Game situation. Yeah, Matt Hancock is a gamer in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, all right. So I anyway, Britain is like just that's why I was saying earlier, I'm just I'm kind of just turning off British politics. Where I'm like, yeah, it's the, the rot is so deep, it's not even worth pointing out anymore. But it is funny to watch the Tories um have to get up day in, day out and do jobs. Just very, very funny to me. Um shall we talk about a startup? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right, friends. Today's startup is called Argyle. Devin, what do you think Argyle does? Uh, it sounds like a suit of armor already, so I would think it's like a cloud-integrated suit of armor. It is cloud-integrated. Mm. Is it cloud-integrated sweaters? Uh, it is not <laughs> cloud-integrated sweaters. Um, you'll, it's, I, I, you, it's impossible to guess from the name. Uh, uh, the name is actually a reference to something, but it's a reference to another similar tech company. Um, and they were right, like, oh, we're okay. also going to name Jesus. it after us. We're also going to name it after a popular fabric pattern. Mm. Uh, Hussein Argyle. I mean, the only thing I'm thinking is a little bit left field, but it's like a kind of um, AI girl that you make and it's just pronounced like Argyle. Oh, so you like, think it's like a in like a oh, weird, it, yeah, in like, like a, in a like Northern an Irish guy saying "our girl, Irish <laughs> girl." <laughs> That's right. Uh, um, we're looking yeah. for seed funding for a new startup <laughs> where we drop paving slabs on people's heads. <laughs> so no one gets mad at us. We're not clarifying if that's a, a unionist or a uh, nationalist. That's right. Someone dropping a paving slab on someone the, else's head. The sweater or, might or, be green. It might be orange. We don't know. Yeah, no, they're, do, they're doing it in a woke way. It's like those those four boys who did the chairs and kissing, uh, but with paving slabs. <laughs> um, no, it's not that. However, I can tell you that it is one platform, many verticals. Um, like a tape. Right. One platform. Yeah, that's right. Many Devin. verticals. Uh, Devin, I like I like table. That's really uh, that's really left field thinking. Is this like <laughs> is it is this like another like BuzzFeed knockoff? No, 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 no. It's much more. I'll give you a hint. It is extremely evil. Uh, I mean, I mean on this show, that's not really much of a hint. That's true. Well, how about this? It's evil rather than stupid. It's very, very effective in doing its evil thing. Although I think 
I can't, I'm not going to say that it's a lot of its uh, press reported numbers about um, what it's doing are fictional, but I will say I would love to see some verification for them. Mm. Okay. Uh, they're saying that they're democratizing things. Uh, I'll give you, it's our mission is to maximize the personal value of every worker's data. Uh, that could literally again be anything. It, like I just, mm. I'm going back to my same thing, which is that this definitely, or like it might. I, I feel like it has a phrenology component to it. No, no, no. Although it oh, is okay. used for, it's not. It doesn't because it doesn't. It use. It allows you uh, companies, very many different companies, in mm -hmm. fact, to make very many companies a great number to make, to make decisions about people, right? But it doesn't uh, use okay. their head shape. Mm. We do oh. this, they say, by providing workers universal access to their own data and allowing them to control how, when, and uh, by whom it is used. Oh, is it like, does it give you data about your performance at work, which is oh. supposed to like help <laughs> you improve, but actually is just giving to your boss? Milo, 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 you're thinking so small. It doesn't give you or your <laughs> boss that information. It gives people like your potential future bosses that information or possible Jesus. lenders. Oh my God, it's the social credit score. Yep. Oh, they've invented the Chinese government. That's what the startup <laughs> is. The startup is just China. Yeah. Well, uh, well imagine the Chinese China. social credit system, except again, you like don't have the functioning state built around it that's able to like, I don't know, deal with the global pandemic. Feels like um, every third one of these is a social credit score. Yeah, there there are a lot of these, but what I liked about this one, right, is um, that it also engages with other elements of the tech startup universe of nonsense. Um, so they say basically, then uh, it, it sort of started as an alternative to a credit score, and there right. was a fintech called Plaid that was about ensuring access. Oh to fuck! Finance. Is that what it's a reference to? The Argyle thing. Yep. That's right. Oh, that's upsetting. So they say, we see the future of work as dynamic and shift-based, where income is derived from an, a fragmented set of companies. Cool. Just meaningless. All of this stuff has been completely meaningless, Pablo. What is any of this? Universal access to stuff. I love having that. Yeah. It's, I think the, the idea yeah. here is that if you have like seven gig economy jobs, it's very difficult for someone to like make an accurate credit score for you. Because most of those credit scores are also like, you know, basically based on like black magic and hokum um, that are just sort of, again, cooked up of a, a number of how trustworthy you are for a bank. Again, a lot of it is based on, you know, completely sort of arbitrary nonsense data. And again, like, to be clear, it does end up excluding tons and tons of people from finance. But what this is doing is trying to solve the problem, not by, like, per usual, taking something that's a problem like credit scores and access to lending and, and capital and finance and stuff, and solving it by increasing surveillance. Because they look at that and they say, well, there's just clearly an information problem here. That's why people are getting denied access to credit, because the lenders don't have enough information about them. So what we're going to do is we're going to build a platform where not only can you see someone's where someone basically hooks up all of their like you know DoorDash and Uber and Fiverr accounts so that they can like they can actually p give a picture of their of their income from multiple different like sort of you know these piecework sources 
but also it's going to include like their reviews. Huh. It's so good. It's such classic brain to look at like the gig economy <laughs> and be like, the problem with this, to look at people who are needing five or so jobs to get ends to meet and go, the problem here is that future employers won't know how productive you've been because you've worked too many jobs. We need to find a way to sort mm. of crush all of these numbers down, your whole personage into just, just one number, just a number that you can wear <laughs> on your forehead. And so that people number know. is 69. That's right. That's right nice award, in my opinion. There it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they say, you they people say, have no idea how many doors I've dashed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the tears in rain speech. It's just like Deliveroo's on fire off the shoulder of Orion. Oop <laughs> was glinting by the Tannhauser gate. They say basically, right, <laughs> to counteract this shift in work, they needed to develop a quote, and here's a phrase, Worker-centric tools that will harness the power of data. I guess it is worker-centric. Doesn't mean anything because, like, it's not worker-centric because the workers don't—they don't decide how it works. They nope. don't decide any of the mechanics. They're just given the number, and that number was going to like ruin their life if, like, they give like someone a bad Uber drive one day, or like someone's having a shitty day and they give them like a bad score. It's yeah, well, worker-centric in the same way that a slaughterhouse is pig-centric. <laughs> <laughs> it's, That's it's, right. It's if you did the reverse panopticon and there were like a million watchers on you, that's you centric because mm. everyone's there watching you. <laughs> yeah, you're literally at the center of the panopticon. Yeah, it's 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 a it's basically it's it's a million little reverse panopticons. Mm. That was what Jeremy Bentham didn't understand is that cyberspace the main restriction on putting every single person in the world into a panopticon is mm. like um the availability of ground space to build panopticons on yeah and what we've done with with uh with we're gonna have to know, have high-rise panopticons that's the next thing with- luxury panopticons in london <laughs> owned by chinese investors what we've done with archives are hexagonal so they tessellate very well it's really mm. efficient land use what we've done with Argyle is we've said, what if we could do a panopticon with no space restrictions? Yeah. <laughs> and only for cool. the forest and most, um, and most uh, precarious people, of course. I'm going to have to say, though, the main thing that Jeremy Bentham did not anticipate was that they were going to put that MF head in a box and keep it in UCL. That's right. It's probably the main <laughs> thing he'd be surprised by if he was alive um, today. His head was almost kept in Oxbridge. He was just a few points short. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Bentham just wishes that he'd, uh, you know, been kept at Durham. Really. Yeah. Well, actually, it, the the head keeping program we've done we did this literally last week. We have to stop with this. <laughs> um, mm. So this is this is like I, I, I have a, a few more lines here. The, this is from TechCrunch. The New York-based startup launched in 2018 with the mission of unlocking and democratizing access to employment records. <laughs> Democratize that. It's just, it's basically, it's the, the other thing, right, is that when it's all about how you have fucked up in your work, it's like, remember talking about Netflix, right? The Netflix uh, corporate culture, where like radical transparency, constant openness, whatever. Where, yeah, that like culture is kind of fine if you're paying like everyone who's there like you know, millions of dollars or at least hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to be like a project manager or whatever. That, fine, you're kind of getting something for that. 
Like, it's not good, but even if you get fired, you've been paid tons of money, and yeah, you have a good thing on your CV. What this is for, and also, you know, who gives a shit about those people? They're Silicon Valley douchebag. But what this is for, it's that culture, but it's figuring, it's using technology to apply that culture to precarious people who, like, you know, are doing piecework for seven different apps. Mm. You know, d- d- democratize it. It's like, well, if you work for eight different companies, how can each other company know how you're doing it every other one? I want to get a job reference from Patreon about what a good podcaster I am <laughs> that I can send to employers. Like, honestly, this guy, he on days when other workers are slacking off, he comes up with bits and voices that are, I don't even know where he gets it from. Yeah, it's it, you, when you lend to Milo, you're not only lending to Milo, you're lending to Jerk Murphy. You're lending to the Romanian Dutch Joker. That's right. Yeah. All of these great characters. You're lending to Donald Trump at the McDonald's house. Yeah, you're lending to Donald Trump at the Ronald McDonald house. Uh, yeah. It's it's really it's it's more of a it's more it's it's more of a coterie really. Mm. It's, you're you're lending to a company. Um. So that's right, but it's not so. Basically, yeah, it's giving companies and institutions such as banks, lenders, and insurers a quick and easy way to access an applicant's employment records. Meaning that if you're trying to get that, if if you've again, they're solving an actual problem, which is that if you're trying to stop working at Uber, then you're and work at like a full time job, they're going to ask for an employment records or some kind of employment record. You're going to have a hard time producing that for them. Because Uber doesn't want to recognize that you've been anything but like a casual user of their app, uh, some kind of a partner. And so, like, this is plugging that gap. But again, like, because we live in such a sort of brutally extractive um, uh, uh, system, it may shock you to learn um, that the the gap is being plugged in a way that makes it much worse. Um, So then, and and now they're saying, and basically the other thing is, right, this isn't an actual company. It's a platform, meaning that like it can be integrated into lots of other stuff. Stuff can be developed on top of it, um, and 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 so on and so on. So it has lots of like different use cases that you can then use. Um, so uh, what they say, they also say actually, guess where else it's very useful? Payday mm-hmm. lending. Cool. Fantastic. Hell yeah! Yeah, we love payday lending. Did you know that the payday and cash advance industry rakes up $9 billion on loan fees alone each year? Yeah, because they love helping out the working class, or at least that's what I understand from a very informative article I read by a Mr. J. Testicle. That's right. A large portion of those loans have exorbitant interest rates and prey on the public. Well, what do you know? And that, that again, like the, the Silicon Valley brain is not to see this problem as this is a problem that lenders have a lot of power to just write the terms of what's going on. Um, rather, they say, well, this is clearly an information problem, and I'm sure everyone would like to be, to be, everyone on all sides of this transaction would like it to be fairer. So they say that the payday lending industry is plagued with these problems because mm. the lender has no way to see if their client is working to pay back the money advanced to them. The lender just doesn't, isn't able to surveil them enough. Yeah, that's good. Nothing bad can come of this, in my view. Uh, uh, Hussein, what's what do you, what do you think about I this? I mean, I'm just sort of like I'm. 
I don't, it's one of those situations where I don't really know what to say because I just keep, keep on going back to like what you had said when we were guessing, which was like, this is like an evil company. It's not like evil in like a stupid way where it's sort of like accidentally evil or with kind of at least sort of on the surface, amiable intentions. Like I'm, so one of these companies, I'm, I'm sure they've got like a copywriter to like do this stuff for them. And I'm just kind of trying to think about, well, if this is really the best that the copyright it could do to like humanize this fucking like, <laughs> like the copyright is doing a lot of heavy lifting here and it still sounds I'm pretty just, evil. I'm yeah, I'm just trying to like put myself in the mindset of like the guy who runs or the, the person who runs Argyle reading this and being like, Yep, this is great. We're really cool. We're a fun company and like uh we're trying we're like doing some really great stuff in the world. Well, I mean like look, it's- yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I mean that was it. It was just like I just I feel like you have to be a particular kind of like, and I don't use this term lightly, like psychopathic to kind of think that <laughs> this is stuff that people read and be like, yep, this is great. But I also, I guess at the same time, it's like, well, what, even though it's sort of saying it's worker centric, workers are not the people that this copyright, like this copywriting is like designed for. Hmm. Well, it's the, um, it's basically right. Like, 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 look, this is kind of a bit of a skeleton key to how to look at these startups, right? Which is that the whole point is to take the world as given and then just, and then solve and, tr- and treat every problem you're looking at as a kind of just abstract problem that exists by itself. So the problem of high interest rates for, or high fees for payday lending isn't anything to do with payday lending or it's nothing to do with the industry, it's nothing to do with wages, it's nothing to do with um, you know, like like lax lax regulation, it's nothing to do with any of that kind mm. of thing. It's purely an information problem because that's kind of just what payday lenders claim to justify those high fees. And so they then solve the problem the payday lenders claim they have, and then they collect high fees themselves. And the more cool. and these these uh, these companies trying to like and the, a lot of these, the Silicon Valley companies trying to solve these or allegedly, you know, solve these problems. Um, a lot of it's it just it's really just professional wrestling. They're all just kind of on the same side, mm. pretending to um, pretending to be solving <laughs> one another's problems. But it's just more ways to get in on the on the on those transactions and just scoop some more money in for themselves. And you know, the old, at the end of the day, right? There are fewer payday lenders than there are payday borrowers, and it's more important that they work with the payday. And it's more important that they work with the payday lenders. So when it comes time to have to screw someone, just the num the numbers are such that they're going to screw the borrower. <laughs> I-, I like the idea that like they're just they're just trying to give payday lenders information about lenders because they about borrowers because they really believe that once your payday lender just knows that you're just like you're just you're just a good dude who's like doing a job they're just gonna be like oh this guy this guy's a real good dude we'll just give him a good interest rate well i mean also if you think about like what payday like the types of people that payday lenders like it tends to be people who are not exactly like who are in like very precarious positions anyway right um because these are people Mm. that they can kind of like who will kind of accrue and accumulate the most debt to them so the question that i have in terms of like thinking about this type of service is like you know um if if like you're kind of giving out shitty high interest loans based on um like an arbitrary scaling uh or an arbitrary scaled figure figure like what kind of number are they looking for um, to decide to determine like who gets a loan and who doesn't? Because surely 
you're sort of like targeting people who are like not at like the low low end but also not at like the high end of this you're looking for like people right in the middle who like are so desperate that they have to come to you well, what they're looking for right is is they're looking this is specifically for people well this is this says look the nature of work is evolving so that many people have all these different mm. jobs right and w- as these sort of cataclysmic changes in the conditions of labor occur then um there is the, the then these openings happen right where you see well hang on a second because this person has to like not has to work like eight jobs now they're having an almost impossible time applying for credit and that's where like ideologically the openings to like like question the sort of you know either practical or moral foundations of that system arise you know and because there are all of these people who are then beginning to slip through its cracks and mm-hmm. what we're witnessing with with companies like this is the reconsolidation of that power is the normalization of working like seven jobs because now you can just apply for a loan with it and your and that precarity will be kind of reflected through sort of all of those dip well that is now like institutionalized because there are the institutions have um reconfigured to accommodate it and so it's it's no longer you're no longer exceptional and it's no longer exceptionally bad to have seven different jobs that all pay you a peace wage right because because you can interact with the rest of the of, of the rest of society's institutions because those institutional gaps have been filled and right now what you've got to understand is that since this is a Silicon Valley operation, like 100% of the people involved in creating this app have been given absolutely every single advantage or job by like a guy showing them to someone and being like, this is my buddy. He's really good. Why don't you give him a chance? Mm-hmm. And maybe they're just like, damn, why don't we try to be this? <laughs> All of those poor plebeians who just need someone to go- walk up to those payday lenders shake their hand firmly and be like, this is my nephew. He's a good guy. Give him your best go. Very good guy. Tremendous. Now that is, that is a fucking service I would use where Trump gives you a reference. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I've heard about this guy. Okay. You should give him a loan. People, they don't want to lend him money. They don't want to say he was very, he was very nice to me. Very nice. Yeah, they're Trump saying they're saying you can't trust him. They say, folks, folks, they're saying you can't trust him. Well, I tell you, I would trust this man. I went to his <laughs> Christmas party. Fantastic, tremendous guy. Very big guy. Very, very big guy. Okay, <laughs> very large. Well, you very know, large. Tyler, and I, if I were a lender, I would be looking into him very strongly. Very strongly. There's nothing in fact. I want more than Trump to join like cameo. Now that he has some free time, <laughs> yes. And you can I just want- be like, yo, Trump. My, I need you to give me a recommendation for this guy. Combo Trump and Dave Courtney on cameo. <laughs> Honestly, I like. I've said this before. I just want more of him. Um, I, yeah, I, I you know, listen. he's coming. He's coming available in, in January. Like, mm. I don't know. Maybe he could, and he could probably more money than he ever made from like, I don't know, overcharging for like the Secret Service for coffee and tea at the Trump Plaza uh, Riyadh. He yes. So much more money just from being like a hundred dollars, and I will say you're doing a great job at your at your company. I'm, I'm going to run. Running, I'm going to run and piss real quick. A just tight ship. Yeah, a, a service that I would a hundred percent pay for. Oh, a thousand percent. We all would. I think I'd like him to say that this podcast is um is 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 a, is well run. You know, I'd I'd like him to say that he thinks it's a shark podcast full of sharks. Um, a couple more things about Argyle. Um, they also. 
they also have said uh, in insurance. So that if you're uh, an insur- basically that if you're an insurance provider and you want to provide insurance to like a delivery driver or whatever, well, it's delivery because it's an American company, but um, a DoorDash driver. You see, uh, gig insurance providers struggle to underwrite policies uh, for gig workers because underwriting models are generic and pricing is non-dynamic. Um, many drivers file claims under their under their professional policy for access that accidents that occur on quote personal time. Meaning, if you're driving your Uber before you've gone to pick someone up, uh, you're not like on the clock or whatever, and you get into a car accident, um, then the, most of those policies do not cover you. Um, because you're not currently working for Uber until you know you start doing the thing, um, and so again, right? Like these opportunities that arise, sort of for, as these contradictions get resolved in favor of capital, it's just those institutional ruptures healing, and healing to sort of lock in those worst conditions, and that's all this company is doing. Um, and yeah, they say. This, this, so this will allow things like uh, lenders to track payouts to workers as they happen. So if you're a um, or insurers even. So if you're uh, an Uber driver, for example, and it, you know you show that you're picking up more like high end customers, maybe you're driving driving Uber Black now or whatever, and your insurance premiums can go up because they're quote unquote dynamically priced. Or if you're a um, I'm back, sorry. If, yeah, if you're like a uh, a payday lender. You notice that, like your um, that you know, your that Uber driver you've given like you know nine predatory loans to is picking up a couple extra passengers. You can increase the rate at which you automatically sweep money from out of their bank account to pay their all their various uh, money sweeping charges. Because ultimately, right, giving up giving companies more access to workers' finances is only get they're only going to do one thing with that access. What, what else would they do? Why wouldn't they just take it? I think the free market will probably sort it out. If you give just employers complete access to every single statistic about anyone's life, I'm sure that they will use that to the benefit of all. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can also receive a notification upon a change in employment status, e.g. termination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no other change in employment status that could possibly be referencing. Hey, remember how like in, in the States, right, if you get fired, some often you'll get your like insurance until the end of the month, like until they check it again? Yeah, they've solved that problem. Right. Yeah, yeah cool. you're an Uber driver. You have insurance well, look, literally yeah. until you like drop your passenger off and then suddenly well, look, we, you're fired. We all, we all know it's impossible to get sick between jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah, that's right. Um, so the, 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 here's the one, the one thing, right? I said at the beginning of this segment, right, that, yeah, they, they say they, have a, they talk a big game. They say that they have access already to 40 million employment records, which is about 30% of the total. Um, but that's I'm actually a, between jobs at the moment, and I'm only growing stronger. That's, <laughs> that's right. true. That is I've true. Been a glow. Dev is, Dev is like Renard from The World Is Not Enough. Like eventually, having no job will kill them, but until that day, they will grow ever stronger. <laughs> no, so um, they say they have access to like thirty percent of the total available American employment records. Um, that's a very ambitious claim for a startup that's still getting funding in the double-digit millions. Um, I don't believe it. Basically, um, <laughs> but. Um, you know, if uh, and it's another thing, right? It doesn't matter if this one ends up crashing and burning; it's still going to have enriched its founders to the tune again of millions of dollars. They pay themselves enormous salaries in the last couple of years. 
Um, and but the idea is with all of these, right? That the capacity is that none of these problems are uh, that are have been arising in the last like ten years from these problems of uh, automation and casualization, whatever. None of these problems are. In, even though they present administrative headaches for capital, those problems are getting solved, and they're getting solved by, by with methods like this, right? So, you know, this is this, the, the 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 system is, I guess, the the main point here, right? Is that it's so it's incredibly dynamic, and it's it's dynamic because, right, the free market does encourage innovation. It's just this is the kind of innovation it encourages, and encourages you different. It it, it gives you the problems of the rich. It says solve them. solve these problems because that's where the money is. But again, fortunately, uh, like most big data companies and so on, um, most of them don't actually work and are just different kinds of scam. So uh, let's all join hands and make a Christmas wish uh, that this is just another scam. <laughs> Inshallah. That's right. Um, so hey, who is ready to talk about an article? A fine, a fine little article. Again, another, another American. Yeah. I love an article. Oh, mm. a, a, a fine art. Yeah, fine article grow, um, cultivated in a very fine microclimate. Uh, it's California, Peaceful. actually. Peaceful. It's California, not in the microclimate. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Although California does have a sort of microclimate of its own. Well, it, it has a microclimate of uh, un, un, unhabitable for humans pretty soon. Mm. Yeah, fire. It's a pretty <laughs> cool microclimate. <laughs> What, kind of, what kind of terroir would that produce? <laughs> well, you'd have, like, you'd have like an oaky, slightly ashy-flavored uh, beverage, mm. I assume. Very distinct mm. smoky notes. Well, yeah, yeah like, the, the, all the wine coming out of California is pre-mulled. I mean, if you wanted to think about this, right? I don't know. Probably pretty good terroir if global warming can be reversed eventually. Like that's pretty nice soil. Again, although you know, I'm I'm a terroir truther. I don't think that the soil actually has much to do with it, other than that it needs to be Ooh. chalky and well drained. Um, it's mostly <laughs> just about uh, temperature and rainfall. I love the idea that like terroir truthers, like are uh, they're not as benign as they sound, and they also think it goes back to the Jewish conspiracy somehow. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, when they control the banks, and then they also move on to the soil. I'm, I'm sure someone's got some conspiracy theories about the um, uh, 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 Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the article. Um, on a Sunday evening in late September, this is about like one of my favorite topics of discussion, but you rarely get these topics of discussion on um, in like a sort of narrative journalism sort of way you usually get them as like you're describing this new kind of business but no this is a narrative journalism account of people living in treehouse a company we have discussed before uh it is a dorm for javascript developers in case you forgot right cool good yeah. and it's referred to in this article as a quote capitalist commune so right. I mean, there was that tweet that went around this week about what you would, would do in the commune, and my job would be uh, the uh, marriage enforcer. I would ensure that every relationship um, did not breach a six-week age gap. <laughs> that is right. No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'll, I'll divert into this for a sec. I, I said I was going to um, be involved in a syndicate of reinsurers that had really big problems with retrocession, which is when. <laughs> 
an, an insurer writes a risk and then reinsures it. So there are insurance companies that specialize in insuring other insurance companies. Okay. Um, and then there's Dude, is everything okay at home? You're right, kid. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then there's re reinsurance, which is insurers of reinsurers. Um, cool. And, no. What can happen? And this does happen. Uh, is <laughs> that basically, let's say I write a risk, right? Um, so I, I write an insurance policy. I then don't want to hold on to that risk, or I only want to hold on to a bit of it. So I insure some or all of it with a reinsurer. And then that reinsurer reinsures some of that risk. And it could mm. very easily happen that they reinsure that risk with a subsidiary of my company, which means awesome. that essentially... You should, you should join Treehouse. <laughs> that's right. I think they'd love this idea. Yeah, well, it's, it's basically what if, as an insurer... <laughs> I just um, rebought all of the risk that I insure via like nine intermediaries, and everyone's rich for some reason. It sounds like it can't end badly. That's certainly what I would say about it. There, there are ways to avoid retrocession, but in the leftist commune, I don't think we'll have that like strong regulatory uh, oversight. So I will be involved in, uh, like I said, a series of insurance syndicates that has a real problem with retrocession. Hmm. Otherwise, I'd be bored. <laughs> I'd be bored if there wasn't like financial chicanery going on. I'd be the I'd be the voices guy. That'd probably be me. <laughs> doing, doing voices. Yeah. Although I, I guess in some ways my voices do suffer from retrocession because like I do find myself doing the like okay like what if Donald Trump was Romanian and then and then was doing an impression of Donald Trump, which is basically the same thing. Before, before we go on, did you, did you have an, ans- an, an answer to that other than just making fun of all the people who are taking it seriously because all of them, like, I don't know, are like you know, 18-year-olds who are going to work in graphic design or whatever? It's, it's genuinely very funny to me. Like, the last time one of those things went around, like, almost every response to it was like, I'd be somehow involved in the Red Army, which is so funny to me. Um, I would probably just, like, chill and hang out. Yep. I think I'd mostly just vibe. Streaming. Cool. I mean, I do like teaching. I really do enjoy it. I'd like to do it at some point yeah. soon. It'd be cool. One day. <laughs> Pushing fish through a hole. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy who's just buried underground, shoving fish out of a hole. <laughs> I make no fucking sense to people who didn't watch one specific YouTube Zone stream four right. or five months ago. <laughs> I won't explain it. either. Uh, nope, won't explain it. Uh, go back and watch the VOD. Oh, wait, that one's been deleted because of Twitch's 90-day uh, moving wall on uh, VODs. So, yeah, uh, you'll figure it out. Anyway, hey, let's read this article about this capitalist commune because I oh, find yeah. it very fun. Let's do it. <laughs> on a Sunday evening in late September, with wildfire smoke hanging in the air. Yeah, just just, just hanging that, just having that out there. Just, you know, yeah, it's basically... It's, it's basically cyberpunk in California as well. Um, everyone's glitching a lot. Um, if you drive a car, chances are you'll be launched either underground or deep into the sky because it's a Tesla. Um, and you no long- and we've also removed the functionality that allows you to have your own house. Um, you now uh, permanently are stuck in uh, university halls. Um, and the developers have decided to keep that in. Uh, so... A few dozen people gathered in the rooftop kitchen of a Hollywood apartment building called Treehouse for their weekly communal dinner. The building's co-founder and chief executive, a man named Prophet Walker. No. Jesus. No, okay, come on. Are we talking PH or FIT? 
uh, <laughs> well, look, uh, he want, he's, he's saying, hey, maybe there isn't that much of a difference. To Mr. and Mrs. Earl, a son, Prophet. (laughs) (laughs) Very fun. Um, Prophet Walker stacked plates and cleaned up cutting boards behind the tiled kitchen island while the building is designer, Sean Nib. (laughs) Sean Nib. Sean Nib. Yeah, Sean Nibs. I subscribe to him on YouTube. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Manned the plates of turmeric chicken sizzling on the stove. Cult living mm. isn't a new idea or even a new target for tech money, but Treehouse is taking a different tack. Walker and co-founder Joe Green, a tech entrepreneur in, in the Facebook orbit and big booster of psychedelic research, say they want to create the togetherness of intentional communities like communes or Burning Man without any of the anti-capitalist politics. Cool. Okay. That's great. Can we just have this cool thing, but without any of the conditions which make it cool? Yeah, like just showing up, just showing up at Glastonbury and just being like, "Yeah, could you guys actually like instead of what you're currently doing, could you do like kind of that, but make it about Goldman Sachs? Can you you do this, but can you somehow add some JavaScript? Yeah, what if you were the Antifa of Bitcoin? (laughs) (laughs) You take you take the leftist politics out of Burning Man. Literally, what is left? Camping in the desert and doing drugs. I mean, to be fair, I think Burning Man hasn't had any, hasn't really had any like actual left wing politics for a while. I think it's just kind of it's it's sort of it's become kind of just like um, anarchist, but not like anarchist sort of libertarian anarchist. Like kind of it it's become right wing since it's become colonized by Silicon Valley. But even then, it was I mean, I think it was always kind of stupid, but it was also just like a fun summer camp. And uh, Joe Green and Prophet Walker were like, hey, what if we did the fun summer camp that you could be at all year long? My new concept is to take uh, Burning Man and like a corporate ayahuasca retreat and just sort of merge those into one thing. It's not really a new concept. That's kind of what these guys have done. I hate That's that. sort of their concept. Are you stealing no, their concept? Mine. I just invented it. <laughs> Fuck these guys. <laughs> these guys. Um... And also, just or like intentional communities, as though again, the example of um, the the last time you had an intentional community that wasn't, you know, like that some like you know, like utopian Quaker had in a sort of fever dream in the nineteenth century, is like what like Celebration Florida, where Disney is your landlord, or like the villages, or perhaps like an army base. Like, what's an example of an intentional community? recently other than that like I don't know, colonia dignidad like mm. all of those are sort of different kinds of monstrous and this is that but just like without even any of the sort of false gravitas it's just sort of twee um so uh here's a little bit more Rotating communities of residents determine which rental applicants get approved, and the process involves checks of vibe rather than credit. Oh, no. No. What is the vibe you need to exude? Fucked? Like, what? (laughs) Leases come with signed commitments to community values. And residents are encouraged to create their own classes for the rest of the building. This is WeWork. This is WeWork, right? Like part of being in WeWork was that you had to like attend you you like part of your part of your contractual agreement is that like you had to attend one of the community events that was being set up by another company in the WeWork. 
as well as like one other activity that the WeWork like operators were doing. That was like part of your tenancy agreement. And I think that the thing is, right, it's there, there was a constituency for that. It's just these sociopaths who are developing ways for, um, you know, payday lenders to spy on Uber drivers. It wasn't that everyone wants that. It's that all of these people want that because they're dead inside. Um, yeah. And, and they want to, and they want to keep living in a, in a world where they get activity time and be told what to do because the only way that what they do is morally conscionable is if they're children, is if they're just extremely precocious children. Oh, so what you're saying is these people are adult babies, but not in a sex way. <laughs> they're wearing a diaper right. just because it makes them feel less morally reprehensible. Because That's also, correct. like, also being an adult, uh, being an adult baby in a co-op is like immediately much more radical than like what these guys are doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a co-op of adult babies like in the commune to be adult baby. Right. <laughs> That'd be cool. Dev is a freakishly strong adult baby. <laughs> the adult baby who fights the robots. Uh, so, ten percent of the units are set aside for low-income tenants, and all are occupied by different kinds of poet. Oh, you! Oh, man. what different kinds of poet are there? Like, what does that even mean? Oh, oh, they give an example. One of them's a slam poet. Oh my god! Oh, oh so a cunt. Okay, right, fine. I mean, they're all cunts. They live in the capitalist commune, right? We know because, that. Yeah, well, because like you know, poetry in particular, like a, there's a particular kind of poetry which obviously like has like radical roots, right? But like, I'm assuming that, that like the poets that occupy that are in Treehouse, like they would not pass the vibes test if they kind of like said anything that was in any way like that came from the radical tradition of like you know even slam poetry. So like, what we're talking about. Is I don't know. I'm just sort of like imagining like a pro-capitalist poet. They do have an example of of a poem in the article. Oh fuck! However, oh, hell yeah. However, it is not a poem that was written by someone who lives in the commune. Uh, also, by the way, the the fact that the low the rooms for low income tenants are set aside for poets. It's like yeah, they they want the low income tenants to be like basically luxury goods for the people who are paying the high income rates. They don't want anyone like right. living there who isn't prestigious. Get me in there. One of the low income guys is a voices guy. <laughs> <laughs> not, like, none, none of the people there are uh, ever going to be... None of the people in the low income section of Treehouse, if you're working like seven different gig jobs that one of the people at Treehouse is trying to make worse, then they don't want to have to think about that. They don't want to have to think about like the actual difficulties of, of, of any of this. So it's like, no, poets. We're just going to have poets because that makes us feel better. And that adds to our vibes. Um, so, you know, the feudalism, we wanted it. We got it. So uh, Joe Green uh, was a dorm mate of Mark Zuckerberg's in Harvard. Um, right. And in 2013, teamed up with Zuckerberg to start uh, FWD.US, a lobbying group that uses tech money to push for immigration reform. Where they want more open immigration cool. for JavaScript people, basically. Who played him and, in the social? Yeah, who who played him in the social network? <laughs> I, don't, I think he was cut. Um, <laughs> and so they rewrote the foreword. Yeah, they specified he didn't have a foreskin. Joe Green's you. Joe Green rewrote, or his his him and Mark Zuckerberg's charity rewrote the New Colossus, the chapter about the the poem about the huddled masses for the Statue of Liberty. No. They rewrote it. 
give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. So they kept the first bit. Okay, good. Here's where the changes come in. Give me your influencers and dreamers. <laughs> oh, that's fucking dreadful. That's so bad. Sorry, I accidentally... I, I reacted to that so strongly, I accidentally hit the fucking space bar and stopped my recording. It, oh, it upset yeah. me that much. Um, uh, yeah, I, ha- I have done that. <laughs> okay, go ahead and restart it. Give me talent that is searching for purpose. Give me your teams, 10. Give me me your Pauls, Logan and Jake. (laughs) Give me your Tates, your Andrews. That's right. They they want to invite more clans like the FaZe Clan into uh, into Treehouse. Give give me your startups, your, your scams, your flim flams. Give me your fake LA bitches. Give me your hot sharks, hungry as fuck. (laughs) <laughs> those dedicated to doing so you know if you're again if you're um if you have been massacred by uh you know an american debt back death squad in honduras and you don't know javascript maybe just die on the way um don't come to treehouse and uh forward.us certainly won't be advocating for your rights but if you know javascript give us a call uh, also <laughs> They're extremely supportive of the Keystone XL pipeline. I don't know why an immigration charity has to make that position clear, but whatever. How <laughs> so, do you even fucking increase immigration just for people who know Java? Have they just looked at a map, seen the island of Java, and be like, yep, yep, these guys? If you want the actual answer, it's the H-1B visa, which is for... If you, if you can say that you need a, a particular skill where there's a shortage of it in the States then you can basically go and hire uh, developers from elsewhere in the world. And Mm. there is kind of no route to citizenship or no route to regularization from it, as far as I know. Um, And it's essentially just... Because one of the big costs in in tech right now, right, is labor. And uh, one of the... And and if they can... um, and, and, and so widening their pool of access to labor, like that's why they're very in favor of this like elites only immigration reform, where it's like, no, we only want sort of super high earners to be able to move because we have to bring a lot more of them in. But fuck everyone who's like a refugee from Honduras that or whatever. Right. There, there always is the sop to like the um, the, the, the sop to the refugee uh, sort of narrative from the libs is always the same. It's the you have no idea which one of them is the next Steve Jobs. Um, so, you know, we're going to have to find a way to identify which one that is. <laughs> yeah. Steve Jobs, someone who would have done very well on that, uh, company's platform. Damn, I'm so, um, I'm so employable. They call me Steve Jobs. <laughs> so, um, pro- basically the rents start at $1,715 a month plus 210 for utilities. Um, right. and that also includes free yoga classes, which it doesn't cause you're paying for it. Um, Walker and Green uh, basically were brought together by loneliness. So Walker that grew up in night. Walker uh, grew up in Watts, which is a poor, primarily black neighborhood in LA, um, and then was sent to prison on an assault and robbery charge when he was sixteen. He got out, got into Loyola Marymount University, then worked on LA's splashiest real estate projects as a developer and attempting to run for the state assembly. And um, he says, I never experienced a lack of community until I made money. Um, 
prison, if anything, was even more intense experience of closeness with neighbors. Living in a hundred person open dorm requires radical transparency. And so, yeah, you went to prison and was like, huh. I mean, number one, you know, if you're going to make a prison for uh, tech people who will voluntarily move into a vibes based <laughs> capitalist commune. This motherfucker, like, vocally basing this on prison. Oh, I went to prison and I loved it, actually. It was super cool to hang out with these guys. <laughs> it's just a place I mean, for guys to be dudes. That's what people don't tell you about prison. I mean, yeah, it was, it was great to hang out with people from different walks of life and different backgrounds and where, um, yeah, and where, like, you know, uh, like, profit making wasn't the primary incentive of, like, existing. Yeah, that's right. So, why don't I do the same thing but remove the last bit? Mm. <laughs> That's right. And you what know what? We, the rent is free in prison. So, yeah, what if you know. we did like, a, well, it's not free. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a private very prison. Not. It's very much expensive in a private prison. Oh, yeah, but you're not the one paying it. The taxpayers. Um, it depends. Ooh. A lot of. Um, I mean, they will of, try and uh, use you as slave labor if it's in America. So, I guess there is that. Yeah, I mean, again, it's uh, they're the taxpayer paying, but also you can, you can leave prison in a lot of debt. You're telling me prison isn't all that cool to be in? Wait, what? Well, I mean,. We it's, now prison I, is bad podcast. Yo, this this thing has drifted know. from its original intention. I'm willing to put my put my hat on the ground here. I think prison's probably not great. Mm. <laughs> it's certainly not inspiring me in any way. Yeah, apart from the gulags, which were fine, and we will defend actually. <laughs> so, um, basically, he started being like, "Yeah, let's, let's apply the lessons of prison." <laughs> <laughs> to, to this daycare for JavaScript psychos. Yeah, and to be fair, he's right. They should all be in prison. So right. actually, yeah. critical support for this. Yeah. Critical support for Profit Walker um, and putting, basically creating kind of prisons for the rich from the back door. But like that they voluntarily sign up to go to <laughs> because of radical transparency. Um. <laughs> So, uh, Green um, basically just read Johan Hari and uh, then started thinking about, um, it, it also had a failed lobbying career somehow in California. But how do you get a failed lobbying career in California? It is the easy mode state for lobbying in as much as there's a few industries, every single politician is deep in the pocket of one of them. Um, whether it is uh, uh, almond farms in the south or big tech in the north or whatever, um, you know, like 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 Ed Buck was from California, <laughs> right? Like he just was like, well, he would just like like go up to fucking Gavin Newsom and be like, hey, time to go commit some more heinous crimes. <laughs> it was like Gavin Newsom, like, are you sure you don't need any more influence? Um, so how you could fail in a lobbying career in California is astonishing to me. Um, but basically, they met at the opening of Local, a burger stand in Watts, started by celebrity chefs with the mission of bringing healthier fast food to low-income neighborhoods. Um, and they hit it off, and then Treehouse was born after Green went on a silent meditation retreat a few months later. It's like it's packing all of the stupidest shit Hell about yeah. these. Hell like, if it was a silent meditation retreat, why? How? How? How did? How did they talk? Like, are are you allowed to do that? They just vibed. <laughs> they, just, they came. They came up with it just through like they. They met on the astral plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. 
That's, a, so, that's uh, one of the coolest dating apps, the Astral Plane. And, 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 and came up with the idea of a vibes-based prison. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What are you, what are you in for? Oh, fucked vibes. Yeah, me too. Nathil <laughs> Espavel, uh, Treehouse's lone inhabitant over the age of 50, um, was with her 14-year-old daughter, Violetta. For years, Esquivel wanted to move into the city from Orange County, where she worked as a nurse at Kaiser, to help Violetta pursue her budding career as a slam poet. Of course. Oh, so Jesus moved- fucking Christ. No so one should in- be pursuing a career as a slam poet. Can I just put that out there? If you're considering that, yeah. don't. Uh, the closest place they've been able to afford was in Long Beach until she heard about Treehouse. Now they live in a suite with three other poets. That must be the most insufferable location on planet Earth. Yeah, that genuinely sounds awful and terrible. Um, (laughs) uh, One question that they asked was what she would bring to the table as a resident, and she picked her cooking and massage therapy practice. Now she sets up her table on the roof deck and gives massage sessions to residents. What I think is most interesting, right, is that they all have to, like, give to one... They have to agree to give to one another in this community. Mm. And the main thing that seems to make it capitalist, quote unquote, is that they're paying exorbitant rents while doing so. Yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Rent is good. We love paying rent. Um, yeah, because I mean, it's not like it's not like they're charging one another for their yoga classes and massage practices. They're all just doing it for one another. Yeah, like okay, the, the rent, sure, it's exorbitant, but you got to mm. think how many free hand jobs are you going to get? So I mean, you got to consider. <laughs> I mean, I, I would imagine that like, the capitalist component of it is really like it's really rooted in like the vibes and clout thing, right? Because if you're mm. kind of creating this micro community where the main mode of transaction or like the transaction the nature of the transactional relationships are really based on like whether your vibes meter like is coherent with someone else's vibes meter, um, like it. Uh, it's it's not like it's not like capitalist in like a pure sense, but it, I I see where I see where like the framing comes from, and I guess it comes from this degree of like exclusivity. It's sort of like I don't know. It's sort of like if you had Soho House or Shoreditch House or whatever, where like you didn't have to like pay a membership fee, but like you wouldn't necessarily call it like a commune mm. because of the nature of the selectivity and the fact that like how they select their members are really based on like who has benefited the most from like the spoils of like dystopic late capitalism anyway well also it's right i think it, it's partly just that everyone in there has to be a real booster you know, you know no one in there can be a critic because you can't bring the vibe down so everyone in there has to always be giving a hundred percent has to always be happy has to always be you know doing bigger and better things tomorrow you have to sort of what it is is you're paying an exorbitant rent to live with other people who will share and boost your sort of psychotic delusions and will not suggest that what you're doing is um, heinous and evil, and that you should be in an actual prison instead of just this like mm. prison themed dorm. Yeah, it's Alcatraz, but you live there. <laughs> God damn! <laughs> Fuck off! Yeah, um, remember that. Remember that place. Trying to not remember it. Going and getting a um, takeaway pint from Alcatraz because I don't want my local bar to shut down in the lockdown. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, they've had to turn into an open prison because of tier four. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, that's the that's treehouse. That's living in treehouse. That is yeah. the, and hey, you know what? But before before I totally end that, they say, hey, you know what? Just so happens that through density arbitrage, a host of laws, and real estate financials, the treehouse business model is an incredible investment. Um, so you know, huh. you you it's again, it's the it's the whole thing of um. 
of the this, the institutions the institutions absorbing the shock of the last 10 years and finding stability again it's just you no longer get to like be critical of um the world around you in your own home because um being positive is now part of your lease agreement that is right yeah so that hey is in fact right I think this is the last piece of content we're actually going to record uh, between us before Christmas. Yeah. So, um, from before the most the, highly illegal Christmas. For <laughs> Dave Courtney's illegal Christmas. That's right. Um, so Going okay. to Dave Courtney's illegal Christmas hot tub party. <laughs> if only Chip, the chicken. The chicken wings are great, apparently. Yeah. I, I would still like to meet him. I don't know uh, how yeah, that's going to cool work. He's a cool guy. He thinks you should cool. put down the knife and pick up a knuckle duster, and for that, we can always respect him. Oh, good. Can I just say that I feel like it's actually quite easy to set up a meeting with him on the basis that like, he has gone on lots of podcasts before. Um, he's like He goes out and about. I have seen him twice in real life. Um, I don't think it's that hard to like meet him. Also, like he has these parties where everyone is invited, so you can literally go in mm. Because the more people are there, the more illegal it is. That's that's right. I feel like he's actually like quite an amiable and like nice guy. You just phone him up and you're like, Dave, I've got an idea for a crime. And he's like, I'm listening. (laughs) (laughs) My code of honor obliges me to be interested. (laughs) Man, I mean, I keep thinking like, God, it would be very fun. Um, But hey, hey, you know what? Um... I want to say just thank you very much for listening mm. this holiday season throughout the year. Um, I am eternally grateful for every single one of you. Yeah, yeah, the hogs have really kept us alive this this year. <laughs> both, oh both premium hogs and non-premium hogs. Uh, yeah. Although, because only the premium hogs can hear this, you're my favorites. You're the best <laughs> one. The best hogs. Best hogs. The fattened Christmas hogs. <laughs> you're, the, you're the prize keys. Delicious. You would be um, like a Tesco fine um, sausage. They're more like Richmond. It's like it's fine, but like it's not the best sausage you could get. I'm abstaining from doing the whispering. Yeah, I'm not doing ASMR unless someone pays me. Yeah, that's right. Only the premium <laughs> hogs get the ASMR. Don't do not do not jack off to this. If you're jacking off to this, stop. Do not do, do not do it. Put your cock in your hands right now. Put it away. <laughs> yeah, but if you've had it in your hand throughout the whole episode, good. But put it away now. Yeah, do not be playing with your gross little worm while I'm talking. Um, yeah. So, anyway, with that all behind us, I can yeah. just say thank you so much for listening this year, and we look forward to um, guide it being your guiding light in mm-hmm. the um, in the uh, let's say uh, dusk of um, <laughs> Western hegemony. Yeah. Perhaps we look forward to uh, next year when we will be listening to you. That's right. Through That's right. a new through plaid. Um, yeah. We're going to have access to all your financials through Patreon. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we know what you're spending money on and we know who's paying you. We um, know what you've been spending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not exactly. normally religious, but someone explained to me how extremely illegal it would be <laughs> to host a midnight mass. And so for that reason, might I say uh, Adeste Fideles, Lighty E Triumphantes. Um, I, I, this, is, this wine is not only the blood of Christ, it has also been brought into the country without the proper licenses being procured. That's right. Yeah, this communion wafer is actually out of date. It contains various <laughs> chemicals which are illegal under EU law. 
Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, right man, a death day for daylight is that, well, that whips, man. You should, um, you should have that as the closing music. <laughs> Devin, thank you very much for hopping off of the stream and onto the pod. You can't step into the same stream twice, and that's one thing that we prove on the YouTube zone. That's right. <laughs> Um, yeah, especially having keep... to delete the VODs for that one so really you should be tuning in live yeah, you should, yeah. there's a 30% chance the VOD's going to get nuked so there's a 30% chance in. that the stream never happened and we will yeah. never acknowledge that it happened that's right for reasons right, that have I'm... nothing to do with 9-11 <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I want to go eat dinner yeah, so I, I I'm going to go. say final yeah. goodbye to everyone uh, thank you for listening through this year we look forward to just Dealing with whatever shit the world throws at us next year. Yeah. And we're going to all do it together. And I hope that whatever happens to you this Christmas time, you get sucked off by a twink. God damn it. <laughs> Happy Christmas. <laughs> Happy New Year. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.